Welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of November 13th, 2019. I am your host, Sean Higgins, and if you enjoy listening to Tips and Tales, we kindly ask that you please rate and review the show on your preferred listening platform. Tips and Tales is available for listening for free on virtually all podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plain and simple, rating and reviewing the show is the easiest and best way to get Tips and Tales in front of new people, expanding our audience, and helping expose more people to the sport we all know and love. On this week's show, I had the opportunity to talk with the U.S. Ski Team's Ryan Cochran Siegel. Ryan has been steadily climbing the ranks of the World Cup in recent years and kicked his season off last month in Solden with an 11th place finish, which was also his best opening race ever on the World Cup. Ryan also made his first career appearance at World Cup Finals last spring in Super G and is currently the only skier on the men's team that bridges the gap between speed and tech on the World Cup, regularly competing in and scoring points in downhill Super G, GS, and combined. Ryan is as good of a guy as there is in ski racing, and it was great to catch up with him about Solden, his outlook on the season, and how he has evolved as a skier and person over the years before he headed off to Colorado to prepare for the rest of the season. Before we hear from him, I would like to take just a little bit of time to highlight some of the recent pieces published on SkiRacing.com. Staff writer and Tips and Tales co-host Mackenzie Moran took a look at the Utah Olympic Park's recently announced expansion project and detailed how the 2002 Olympic venue is still being put to good use as a valuable training and competition venue for snow sports athletes of all kinds, from freestyle to ski jumping to bobsled to alpine racers. The most recent expansion project aims to expand the park to include fist homologated race hills and lighted terrain and is slated to be completed by 2021. You'll definitely want to catch all of the details in Max Peace. Contributor and 1985 World Championship downhill bronze medalist Doug Lewis shared with us how important his teammates were to his success as a ski racer and how you can use Doug's advice to better you and your team this season by pushing each other on and off the hill. E.D. Thies Morgan wrote about how the Lake Tahoe-based High Fives Foundation has rallied to help out former U.S. ski team star Eva Twardokins on her road to recovery following a traumatic brain injury suffered when the small plane she was piloting crashed back in February. High Fives was founded back in 2006 and to date has helped 167 athletes recover from spinal cord, traumatic brain, or mobility-limiting injuries and return to the sports they love. It's a great story, and you definitely won't want to miss it. Mackenzie profiled up-and-coming U.S. ski team racer Ainsley Prophet and how she managed to make it from the ski racing hotbed of, wait for it, St. Louis, Missouri, all the way to the U.S. ski team, thanks to getting her start in the sport through NASTAR. It's an awesome piece, and you definitely will want to check it out. Our editor-in-chief, Marina Knight, sat down with U.S. ski team chef Tanya Alexander and talked about how important in-season nutrition is for your success on the hill. It can be tempting to eat anything you want after a hard training session when you're tired and hungry, but Tanya tells us about what you really should be looking for in your food as well as what you should be avoiding at all costs at the grocery store. Not to give too much away, but I definitely wish I knew some of this stuff back when I was racing. Treat all of those stories and so much more. Head on over to SkiRacing.com and coming up after a quick break will be my interview with Ryan Cochran Siegel. The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media. It literally keeps the lights on for us. 
Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on SkiRacing.com, which includes full-length World Cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to SkiRacing.com and click the subscribe button. All right, now we'll get you back to the show. All right, welcome back to Tips and Tales. And sitting down with me today is U.S. Ski Team star Ryan Cochran Siegel. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Psyched to be here. Awesome to hear. So, well, first off, congratulations with your 11th place in Solden to kick off the World Cup season. Uh, it's the best start you've ever had to a World Cup season and your first scoring result in Solden, actually. How important was it for you to kick off your season like that with an 11th place? Yeah, well, first, thank you. Um, I think that day was definitely a really good day uh, for a lot of us. It was a bummer for Brian and River because they were so close, and that hill is definitely very unforgiving, especially the first time you race it. Um, so I think where our GS team at, is at right now is, is a pretty strong contender. Um, and I think personally it was um, – I actually didn't really have that many ex expectations going into the race just because this summer I spent a lot more time trying to get my speed um, up to – up to Chanel, I guess, um, and I really didn't start training GS heavily until I got to Solden two weeks before the race, so I think starting top 30, you hope to get top 30. Um, I was kind of on the tail end of it, and I just, yeah, tried to put some good skiing together, just focus on my skiing, and I think it kind of, just the way the day ended up, um, especially on the second run, I think it broke a little in favor to me, um, just with where I was sitting after first run, and then I mean, I came down like in third after getting 20th on the first run, so I didn't think I was going to really move up that much, but then I ended up moving all the way up to 11th, and um, it was just a cool day. Especially, I mean, I went down first for the U.S. guys, and then seeing Ted come down in the lead, and then also Tommy just crushed the second run. Um, it was it was very cool and like a bit of a relief. Nice to get the result under the way or underway, um, and just start focusing on the next chapter, next races. So, um, yeah. And talking a little bit more about that team result, it was the, the best team result of all the all the nations it sold in. What do you think was the difference that weekend? Was it the prep leading up to the race? Was it like a certain vibe on the race day with the team, or, or did this, the stars just align and, and allow you guys to to pull together as a team that day? I would say it was. I mean, a combination of everything, kind of everything falling in place for us. I think um, we all knew we were skiing well, so we didn't really have that necessarily added pressure like oh man we have to perform well we were just like okay we just need to ski the way we've been skiing um i'd say for ted he is amazing on that hill he really understands it and so i think um him coming in fifth was definitely like it was a really good step for him where he's been coming from um and i think we can like tommy brian river and i can kind of build off his success there so um, we also had a good amount of training on the hill and some of that was beneficial. Some of it was definitely kind of a little rattly and a little challenging, but I think it just got ourselves in the right racing mindset. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a fun day. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said about the uniqueness of the, just the Solden race in general. It's a month before anybody else is racing around the world and it is a challenging hill right off the bat. And I think it almost sounds like that uncertainty almost played into the Americans' favor just because they're, I mean, you obviously want to do well, but there isn't, like, this added pressure of, like, oh, like, this is our chance. Yeah. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I mean, the last two years we've had the same prep going into the race and day of the race, 
it ended up getting canceled. So I think this time around, personally, I was like, I wasn't even looking at the weather report. I was just like, okay, just gonna f focus on training. Hopefully we get a good day off. And it just came, when it came around, it was a really beautiful day. And I think that kind of helped the positive mindset. Um, and yeah, I think like Americans in Europe, we, there are advantages and disadvantages that we have. I think early season, we're actually kind of more of an advantage because we don't have the added pressure that the Austrians face. Um, and a lot of the other kind of like strong European nations face. I think we're kind of into like, okay, let's just get this going and then we can keep moving from here. Um, but yeah, I think the hill is, it's actually a lot of fun to ski. It's challenging, but it uh, adds a, like, there's just a lot of variety in the, in the terrain. And I thought the snow was actually really, really nice to ski. Sometimes it can be incredibly icy and incredibly chattery. And it, I thought it held up a lot better than that this year that I think suited our skiing style a little bit more as a team. Mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned that you actually hadn't skied much GS until a week or two prior to the race. Um, and that's because you are one of the few guys really on the World Cup that races cross tech and into speed. Uh, how has that balancing act been? I know you've been outspoken in the past about how your your desire is to ski as many events as possible and be, com and be competitive in as many events as possible. Um, just how did that go over the summer and how did that help you stay fresh, I guess, mentally for, for the first giant slalom of the season? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely a balance trying to figure out the schedule. I mean, it, it can go on runs where you're kind of just going race to race. And I think when you're racing on the World Cup, you want to be able to appreciate every single race that you're doing just because they are big events. Um, but I think this summer, I kind of just tried to really look at my weaknesses as a skier. And I felt that the biggest drawback to my speed is in gliding and kind of like flatter terrain. Um, so I was, I really wanted to kind of switch my approach and go more on the speed side of things. So I went with the speed team down to La Parva and Chian in our first camp and then down to Caraco in our second camp and got a lot of really good gliding and just being able to work with those guys earlier, earlier in the prep season um, was really beneficial to me. And then it was kind of like leading up to those camps just because the snow year in Chile was so um, kind of unpredictable and it didn't really look like it was going to be that great. There was like part of me that was like, man, I should just like go back to plan B and just go down to New Zealand with the GS guys. But I really wanted to um, get down to Chile and, and I'm working with a new serviceman, uh, Gregor. So I thought that'd be really beneficial for Jared and I to get there. And I think also in a way that by focusing more um, kind of emphasis and energy on my speed, this prep that when I finally got to Solden, when I was trying to switch up to go to GS, it was, it was a little bit less pressure because I hadn't necessarily like put in the same work that those other GS guys had. And I think it was kind of like, okay, I know I have to really kind of like step my game up within these two weeks. That's the time I have to get ready for this race. But at the end of the day, I think I'll be a better skier overall. Um, and it, it definitely worked out and I'm very appreciative for that. I don't, I think it was kind of beyond my expectations to be able to finish so strongly in Solden. Um, but I think hopefully I can just carry that confidence going forward with the races. Mm -hmm. and, and speaking a little bit about how specialized the sport has gotten over, I don't know, the past decade or so, it's, I mean, the only other skier I can really think of that skis more than two events would be someone like Pentero, who's Slalom GS and can be competitive in Super G on the right hill. Do you feel pressure either internally with yourself or externally where um, have you ever felt that if you just focused on GS or if you just focused on speed, you could 
get to that next level even faster. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely always going to be that voice in the back of your head, kind of being like, "Well, if you put all your like all all your eggs in one basket, then it might be able to pay off better." But I just feel like I've had seasons where I've been really strong in GS and really strong in Super G. I think last year um, I started to get a little bit more speed in downhill, and I think it just my mentality is that the more events you're able to do competitively, the more opportunity you're given in. Um, I think it makes it easier if you had a couple good results in one event or in a couple different events early in the season, then it just helps you get through the struggles um, that may come come your way. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, it'll, re- it'll be really interesting to see how many events Pintu does this year just because I think in the past he's definitely done a really good job managing um, to make sure that he's at the top of his game in tech and he like does a few super G's here and there up to now, but I think with his ability to win the overall, I I would expect him to try to be skiing a little bit more speed. Um, I don't really know what his plan is, but it's it'll be fun to see, especially just as a competitor and try to see how he balances that to see if I can learn from that. And then also I think um, Alex Kilda, the Norwegian, he's also really um, one that I think I look up to just because he is at least like skiing wise, a little more similar to me. Like um, he's definitely incredibly talented with speed and he's shown in both in Super G and downhill, his drive and his competitiveness and his speed. And he's also like very solid. He's a very solid skier. He's very strong. And I think his ability to ski GS and kind of also pick and choose the GSs that he does just based on his style is um, also, it's a very, I would say, planned and knowledgeable approach to the season but it's a fun challenge. I think it's cool that like, it's not even just skiing. It's also like figuring out the logistics and figuring out how to kind of optimize a program versus another. And with Hersher out, I think there's a lot of discussion about who is going to be the guy in the overall title this year. Do you think skiing three events is necessary to, to win an overall or can you do it like Hersher did Justin Slalom and GS still? It's hard to say. I think it depends on the skier. Um, Christofferson, if he can get up to speed, I would say he has a talent to be competitive in both GS and Slalom that he would be able to win the overall, overall with enough points. I think Pintu is, he just doesn't have quite that same um, consistency with Slalom, so I think he does have to rely a little bit more on the speed. And he is, honestly, he's one of the most talented skiers out there, so his ability to be competitive in Super G as well as Tech, I think, really suits his style. He can, I mean, he usually doesn't do all the Super Gs just because I think like Valgardana doesn't really suit his style. So if he if he puts a little more emphasis in speed this year, I think he can kind of make gains and gain that competitive edge over someone like Christofferson. But I think the cool thing about Solden too, which if you look at first run results and then the overall results, I mean, Dominic Paris was really close to actually getting a second run. And then Matthias Meyer, obviously, I think he was 15th and Kilda was also in there. So there are some downhill guys that are kind of stepping it up in GS. And that also kind of like brings a little bit of uncertainty into the equation that I think it's nice that there is an unknown. I mean, as amazing and incredible as Hersher was as a skier, it also kind of, it just felt like a lot of us, we were skiing for second place. And I think that was especially true for someone like Christofferson and Pintu. And now that he's, Obviously, I feel like retired early, but um, stepped away from the stage. I think it, it leaves a lot of opportunity to be kind of taken. For-
for whoever wants it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think seeing speed skiers, well, traditionally speed skiers like Meyer Paris and, and Kill to be so competitive um, in Solden, and then also with Paris's run in speed the second half of last season. And he, I mean, he's scored in GS before and he's won combines. So, I mean, all the talk has kind of been on Christofferson and, and, and Pinsero, but I don't know. Anything like you know as well as anybody that anything can happen in a ski season. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see what else is in store for us. So talking a little bit more about the Americans and the American GS team in particular, counting you, there are five guys who have scored World Cup points in the last year, and that has not happened since the days of Bodie, Darren, Jetloff, Ted, Dane Spencer, and that crew. How does that change the the training dynamic, knowing that the the pace is there, and how do you guys push each other day to day on the hill with as a GS team? I think um, it's just about consistency. I think trying to just do a really solid approach day in and day out. Um, I mean, Ted has been so helpful to the entire team. He's a huge team player and kind of always is out there trying to, obviously for himself, trying to get better and trying to figure out his equipment, figure out how to gain some time here and there, but he also is there for the rest of us too. Like, I don't think any one of us would be afraid to ask him any other, any type of question. And I think that kind of trickles down to what we're seeing with River and Brian. And I mean, obviously Tommy had an incredible year last year, and I think he's also just ready to continue building on that. And I think it's just the consistency from all of us. Like River is definitely an incredibly talented skier and he has continued to build from, I mean, his first, couple of years skiing fists up to now where he's kind of that next um like focal point skier for the u.s um and i think being able to learn from ted while he's competitive and then also kind of learn the different styles with tommy and the different approaches that we can have we can figure out our own um our own tactics and and how skiing can suit our own style to be fast do you see yourself as a mentor on the team now you're 27, you've got a lot of experience under your belt, and these guys are coming up with strong World Junior results. Do they look to you at all for, for guidance on the World Cup? I don't know. I think I would hope that they um, at least feel that I'm there as a source of information and a way to help them. But I also think with Ted and also people like Nyman and, um, I mean, Bryce, Jared Beasy, I think there's a lot of leadership that like from the veterans that we can draw upon. Um, I always just because I've always kind of been a little bit younger than those top guys that it's never felt like I've been that lead in that leadership role. But I think there's a sense of camaraderie and a sense of trust that we all share. And I think that's key for our team success. So the last couple of years, you've kind of found yourself in the spotlight a little more. We had an amazing second run of GS, the Olympics in Pyeongchang, an amazing first run of combined at last season's world champs. And uh, you've been doing more and more sponsor events with Rozzy and, and Shred and some other things. Um, it's, it's one thing for me to come here and talk to you for, for ski racing, but it's another to be on primetime TV in the U.S. Has that been an adjustment for you at all? I know you're, you're a fairly reserved guy, as most Vermonters are. But what, is, what has that change in your life been like? I think it's given me some opportunity to branch out a little bit. But I also know that, like, the opportunity I've been given thus far is definitely nothing in compar- or in comparison to the work that someone like Ted or Michaela has done. Um, I know their obligations <clears throat> are through the roof and they're incredibly busy. So when I have an event here, like 
in Seoul than I had. I was able to go to the there's a Rossignol store opening that um, I was invited to, and that was kind of a cool um, way to escape just the full-on race mentality and and see kind of other sides of ski racing. But I I don't know. As far as prime time goes, I think I've never watched myself in prime time, so I don't really realize in the moment that it's like. It always just seems like another race to me, um, and that's kind of, I think it's a good way to look at it, but also just making sure to stay in the moment as a ski racer. Like, that's the number one priority, and that's why I'm out here is just because I love skiing, and um, I think it's it's a really interesting and kind of unique just career and um, opportunity to just continue trying to perfect something. And one thing that's really struck me about your career is the amount of perseverance you've showed from the time you first came on to the U.S. ski team as a, as a teenager until now. You've dealt with injuries and, and the highest of expectations and then the lowest of lows. I think you said in, in an interview about a year ago that you were given a 60-40 chance of ever returning to ski racing after your initial injury. What what has kept you going and, and what kind of, what have you leaned on, whether it's a person or a mantra that has kept you in the game over all these setbacks? I think, I mean, it's partly belief in myself, belief that I can continue to get to where I want to be and achieve the dreams and goals that I have. Um, and then, I mean, the bigger component of that is just the support that I've been given between the staff of the ski team, um, my family, I think, and all my friends as well, and sponsors too. Um, there's just been a lot that has helped me on this path and kind of, it was definitely not easy, but I think there were so many beneficial things that came away from it that um, have helped me to this point. I definitely am very humbled with the experience that I went through with injury as I think every athlete kind of goes through and um, you learn a lot about yourself and a lot about kind of your limitations and what is achievable. And I think I returned to snow, pretty sure it was four years ago. Um, up till now has been kind of a consistent road. I feel like I've been progressing at the right kind of steady rate and that's also helped. I think I've carried a lot of momentum season to season. I always have some good results and some results that were frustrating and it's the frustrating results in a way that I think also carry me and kind of like keep me fuel, keep that fire fueled. Um, but it's been a fun journey and um, I really, <laughs> people always say that they have no regrets. I would say it would have been a lot easier had I not ever injured my knee, but to where I am now, I'm also very appreciative and I feel like I'm in a very strong place and I, I love learning every single day how I can get better and that's kind of the driving force as well. Was there ever a point you thought that you wouldn't make it back to the World Cup? Um, yeah, definitely. I think that that rehab process, I was off snow for 17 months and um, there's part of, uh, for five months I was just rehabbing for this one surgery that was really unknown and um, uncertain and I think going into that I was hoping for the best and I was going to take it and try to do my best and do whatever I could. But there's also a lot that was out of my hands and it definitely, it all came together and it all ended up very fortunate for me. I think that's not going to happen every time. And um, once I got skiing, though, I, I definitely felt more comfortable and more like, okay, I'm back here. I'm 
I know what I need to do. I know how I need to preserve myself and the approach that I need to take and kind of let everything else be. And you touched on this a little bit earlier, but you are an athlete who's incredibly hard on yourself. And sometimes that can be very positive, but also sometimes it can bring you down a little bit more. Do you think it's a strength or a weakness of yours, how hard you are on yourself? I bet um, it's more of a weakness. I think as we always get feedback at the end of the year from coaches, and one of the things that coaches usually tell me is that I'm too hard on myself. And um, I'm trying to learn from that, trying to kind of do a better job of letting the, the days that I didn't take advantage go, just because as a ski racer, it's all about perspective in a way where if you see that there's a lot of positivity from your skiing, even if you didn't get the result or the, um, the finish that you would like, then you can still learn, learn a lot from that. Whereas if you're focusing on the negative, which I think can happen to me as well, then that's just going to dig a deeper hole. Um, I know last year, one of the tougher times I was having was kind of between Bormio, so the end of the year and then through Vengen, um, I just felt like I kind of went into a little lull and just mentally it's fatiguing and it just gets to you. You kind of feel like, man, I've been trying to do everything I can and then still I'm not getting what I want. Um, but it's just the trust to be like, okay, I, things aren't going well right now, but you really have to continue just every single day putting your best effort forward and then the results will come. And that, that kind of, I mean, things turned around by the end of the month of January and then going into World Champs. Would you say it's kind of focusing on staying even keeled, like not getting too low in the lows and not getting too high when the results do come and are there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely just, uh, there was a quote from Jackie Bradley Jr., Red Sox outfielder, that said that when you, regardless of the results, someone should not be able to tell how you did. And I think that's that speaks a lot to ski racing um, because it is so easy on the good days. They feel so amazing. And if you get caught up in that, you really do lose a little bit of an edge. Likewise, with the negative days, if you can't see the amazing ability in your skiing, then you're also kind of losing out. So it is, um, it's kind of trying to take two positive and a negative every single day. And I think that's one thing with Solden. I'm like, obviously, it was a really good good result, but I, I know that, that that day has passed and I need to look forward to the, the new ones coming forward and continue to try to build on my skiing. And I think talking a little bit about being even keeled, uh, that seems to be a, a mantra for the for the team. Talking to your coach, Forrest Carey, post-sold, and he kind of gave me a very interesting quote where he said, yeah, like we did great in the first race of the year, but it's not like they give you a head start in the next one. And I feel like that kind of segues so well into you kind of trying to be more level-headed throughout the season. Do you feel like that is a is a common theme throughout all the athletes on the team this year? I think so. I think um, being even-keeled also kind of is has a lot of similarities with just being kind of like easygoing. And I think as American Ski Racer, that, that has been a pretty um, important quality in just our aspects as team members and athletes. And um, I think... Being even keeled also means that when we have a bad day and our teammate does well, being able to celebrate our teammate's success. And that kind of drives our whole team to want to be able to perform and want to be able to be a part of that, that strong culture. And I think that's one of the positivities and strengths that we have as um, our American team is right now. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the new ones coming forward, Lake Louise and Beaver Creek are coming up, fast approaching. Um, you had some strong results last year there at both of those stops to kick off your speed season. 
And uh, you mentioned that you've had a solid training block in Park City and now moving into this on snow bit in Colorado. How are you feeling mentally, physically, and, and do you feel like you can keep this train rolling into the speed season? Yeah, um, I feel like I had a pretty solid summer, just a lot of time spent in the gym and some good time on snow as well. So um, going to Copper first for about 10 days and then head up to Lake Louise for the first training runs. But it is it is fast approaching and I'm, I'm excited. I love going up to Lake Louise and then also Beaver Creek. They're a lot of fun to ski and um, just the places that we're in is pretty incredible. So I know that speed-wise, the speed guys have been training for the last couple of days, so I'll have a little bit to catch up with and um, just trying to trying to get better every day. But I feel good about this year. I think I've done everything that I wanted to do in a way as far as the prep goes and just trying to take it day by day, trying to get on a good roll going early. Um, but yeah. Awesome. And I want to talk a little bit about the Beaver Creek downhill, because I know when we talked at the races last year, uh, you really talked about how you want to score points in, in the downhill at Beaver Creek. And it's something you've come very close to doing a few times in your career. You've had some fast training runs there, but have never quite, for one reason or another, been able to, to squeak into the top 30 on race day. What needs to change this year? Is it tactics, technical stuff, or is it just getting some good luck to finally punch one in there in downhill? I think trusting my skiing. Um, last year, I was just the last turn away. I got a little bit fatigued and kind of squatty going into the last um, the last jump where I, I mean, I was able to finish, but I bled a lot of speed. So I think this year, just trying to take advantage of the training runs, the time on the hill and figure out the course. Um, but it's with ski racing, there's always a little bit of luck. And I think also just just trusting yourself to ski well. And I feel like I have that. I've, I had a pretty good solid year in downhill as far as where I was coming from and um, trying to take that with me and just hopefully not feel so much pressure being at home and for the U.S. fans and just kind of perform on my own. And so besides Beaver Creek downhill, is there a race on the calendar this year that you have circled as uh, either unfinished business or a place you really want to want to do well at? Um, I haven't literally circled anything on the calendar but i th think two two races are in my head a lot um one bormio just because i was skiing really fast in the training runs last year and had a pretty lucky save losing a ski but um and then the super g just had a little bit of a bobble down at the bottom that two good days were very close that could have been had and didn't quite go my way so try to try to redeem myself in a way and then um the other race is just kids fuel i haven't run the plan is to run both events there i've run the super g once and i was pretty slow so this time around i'm hoping to um be competitive and learn and then also just to run the honeycomb would be just kind of like pretty big as a ski racer and um i think technically i can't call myself an american downhiller because i've not scored points in kidsville but it'd be nice to be able to check that one off the list too awesome well last question ryan are the Patriots going to be ready for the Ravens in the playoffs? Lamar Jackson looked pretty scary the other week. I, to be honest, I'm, I'm glad that they, you know, it would have been nice that they were a little more competitive in that game. Um, Lamar Jackson is definitely a threat and something to be figured out. But I think the Patriots always go through a little bit of a learning curve early season. I know it's midseason now, but um, it's good to, good to be shown their weaknesses so that they can try to learn and improve. Um, 
I also think that the offensive line needs a left tackle right now, which could help Brady a little bit. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Brady and Belichick, they obviously know how to win games in the playoffs. We'll see how Lamar Jackson, but it'd be cool if they could get that matchup again, hopefully in Foxborough. I think that would be a big difference maker. Awesome. We got to get you on a NFL countdown with that analysis. All right, Ryan, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Best of luck this season, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks, Sean. That does it for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.